I am Beto, and this is Modern Immigrant. Welcome, everybody, to a new season of Modern Immigrant. I really miss you all so much. Today, I'm excited to bring you a new episode in English, and we're going to be talking with Warda. Warda is a Somali-American writer, and she's going to be sharing her experience as a refugee in the U.S., as a college student, as a writer. We're going to talk about her amazing book, and you're going to find the links to obtain the book and check out Warda's work down below in the description of this episode. Warda inspired me so much, and I know she's going to do the same with you when you listen to her amazing and powerful story and journey. We talk about the struggles that she faces as a refugee. We talk about the different barriers, the difficulty of learning a new language and arriving to a country where you don't know the language, her journey of starting education where she was 11 years old and making it to writing a book in English to graduating from college. And she's going to talk about all the amazing stuff that she wants to pursue as she moves forward in her journey. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that subscribing is so, so important. So take a little moment and subscribe. It doesn't matter where you're listening. We're in audio platforms and we're also here on YouTube. So thank you so much for joining us in another season. I cannot wait to share with you all of the amazing stories that I have prepared for you. Gracias. So excited to be here one more time for a new episode of Modern Immigrant. And this conversation, I already know it's going to be pretty special. So I want to welcome Warda to Modern Immigrant. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And I. I know we're going to be touching about a few different topics while we talk, and I probably already shared it in our intro, but I have like a very kind of common question that I ask here in Modern Immigrant, mm-hmm. and that help us kind of understand where your journey started. So mm-hmm. we would like to, would you like to share, um, when did your immigration journey start? And, and I know it's not an easy question. No, it's okay. So my immigration started with uh, my father and my mom. So they immigrated from Ethiopia to Saudi Arabia, both of them. And then um, they, you know, both of them, like both of them were just going on their separate way. And uh, Saudi Arabia is where they met each other. They got married and uh, they were both undocumented. And because of that, my father got deported twice back to Ethiopia. And because of that, uh, during that time, my mom was pregnant with me. And so, you know, it was hard time for her. Um, you know, she was pregnant and, you know, women uh, don't work in Saudi Arabia. So it was hard for her to, you know, provide for me and herself and my father is like got deported twice and at that point they just decided to um my mom and I should be you know going back home uh, mm-hmm. in Ethiopia so that in case my father gets deported again we can all be together there um yep yeah, uh-huh and then you know my mom uh left in a hurry when she was leaving Saudi Arabia. So she left all my, you know, documents and uh, 
even though undocumented, like I had a birth certificate and everything like that. So she left in a hurry and suddenly forgot them. Right. Uh, and then, she was fleeing. Like it was absolutely, an emergency. Yeah. yeah. Right. So because of that, um, I got sick. I got sick while we were in uh, Ethiopia and every hospital she takes me to would refuse because I have no papers to show. Um, and I was just getting sicker and sicker by the day. And then one of my uncle was staying with her at the moment going to school and without, you know, my dad wouldn't let her come back to Saudi Arabia uh, in any circumstances because you, he never know if tomorrow is the day that he will be deported again. So right. she didn't tell my father and my uncle, Omar, uh, and my mother decided to go back to Saudi Arabia so I can get medical attention. Um, and then we took a boat and basically the boat was overloaded uh, with people. It was, it was just too many people on the boat. And because of that, in the middle of the Red Sea, the boat collapsed. And um, yeah, that's how I lost my mother. And so many other people have also lost their lives. Um, I was one of the lucky people who survived. Um, and after that incident, my uncle calls my father in Saudi Arabia and, you know, tells him, hey, this is what happened. Uh, what should I do with your daughter? Should I just take her back or should I, you know, continue our journey to Saudi Arabia? And he said, no, just take her back to uh, Ethiopia and take her to our parents. So for, um, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yes. it's, I just want to say, like, thank you for sharing um I when I read that part um in your book um mm -hmm. the way you wrote it was so beautiful um but at the same time I could feel the pain of yeah. I, I think you mentioned something around you know even though you were just one year old mm -hmm. and you don't remember it's something that you remember every single day too and, yeah, and you uh, have like those memories Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, and it's it, it took me forever to write that chapter. Uh, it was just you know too sad and heartbreaking to write it. So yeah. I would write you know a few sentences and I couldn't continue, so I would just stop there and you know try the next day. It's yeah, yeah. it's hard. How is um, I know we're like gonna jump a little bit forward to the book mm -hmm. just because mm -hmm. we're kind of talking about how hard it was for you to write some of the chapters. Um, mm -hmm. How was the experience of writing in, in, in terms of, did you find it healing in a way? Do you find that triggering just because I know a lot of the listeners are, you know, immigrants, a lot of them are not, but I know a lot of people are interested in writing and, and mm -hmm. use writing as a, as a healing process. So I wonder how was that for you? Um, yeah. I would say absolutely it wasn't a healing process for me because before I started writing, it was it was really hard for me to even talk about it. Mm -hmm. Every time uh, someone brings up the incident of my mother, um, I would literally just cry. I you know, but now that you know I wrote about it and I talk about it with my loved ones and family and friends, um, it's like a story that you know everybody should hear. It. And, um, you know, with every uh, incident, there is always healing and you can um, 
get over it, even though it's hard and, you know, try to be brave. Mm-hmm. That's like the message that I'm getting. And I love that you're talking about that because mm-hmm. I will love for you to speak on. So you pretty much having experienced immigration since you were born, like yeah, even absolutely. before, right? Mm-hmm. Because your parents were struggling with the immigration process and later on it was you. Yes. Can you share with us? And I know this is a super broad question, so I'm trying to like pack everything in this time. And I know some things are going to be left outside, but what are some of those experiences that you um, went through as a refugee, both here Mm -hmm. in America and also before, because you were, you know, emigrating Mm -hmm. somewhere else as well. Um, Yeah. Yeah, what are some of those experiences that you would like to share in this space? Similar yeah. as your book, everyone should read it. What are some yeah. things you would like to share here that we need to know about being a refugee? <sighs> so many. <laughs> right. <laughs> in terms of challenges and struggles, um, I would say everywhere you go, people speak a different language. Like, for example, I grew up in Ethiopia. They speak so many different languages. And then I, you know, I went to South Africa and they speak like more than 11 languages. And then I come to the United States and, you know. Another, yeah. Yes. So the language barrier, especially when you come to the United States where English is the main language, you you face a lot of struggles. Like if you get papers uh, in the mail, you cannot read. If you have no experience or any uh, educational background. Um, I remember where, while I was in high school, uh, you know, some people would come to me and ask me to read. But, you know, when you get a letter uh, from the government, they just use this big terms and I myself don't know (laughs) and you know I would google it and try to be helpful but still it's you know I'm just a high school student and it's it's hard and even when you really understand in uh when you understand the concept of this letter sometimes it's hard to you know translate it into Somali because I never heard of it you know um there is also you know the struggles that um most immigrant face is financial difficult. They come here with nothing, you know, and, you know, starting from scratch, it's, it's really devastating. I remember um, when we came to the United States, um, my dad, we were 10 (laughs) in my family and imagine um, the rate that you can work was, you used to work for $8, imagine 2013. Yeah. And you were, you were 17, correct? Yes. When you mm-hmm. came. Okay. Yes. Um, and I remember you talked about, now that you're mentioning the financial struggles as mm-hmm. one of the things or one of the experiences that many people maybe are not aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned with your book that that period, I think you call it the limbo, mm-hmm. that period when you're already coming to the U.S. as a refugee yeah. and like how much you're dad had to spend money in the meantime, right? Like just mm-hmm. buying food because there was not even enough food until you were placed in this mm-hmm. kind of home apartment. So it's all of those. Um, and then there's the paperwork and the applications. Like I feel like immigrants have to pay so much on top of the regular um, payments. Yeah, absolutely. I remember like when we were just getting ready, uh, 
to come to the United States. So my dad used to sell cars. He would, you know, buy used car, fix up and then sell it. And, you know, when we were leaving, he, you know, sold all of his car. He had, you know, enough money. But then we had to stay about 30 days, if not more, in another city. Like we, you know, we left our house, everything. Like we just had suitcases, you know, uh, with few uh, clothes. And I remember the UN was like, oh, there's a shutdown. And until further notice, yeah, you sh- guys should wait here. And I remember we used to buy food from the hotels and it was just so expensive. And within that 30 days, like he lost everything. So when we come to the United States, he had no saving. He had no money. And it was it was just devastating to see my dad in so much stress. Right. Right. I can't even imagine. That's a yeah. lot. On top of all the stress that you're you were subject to prior mm-hmm. to coming, right? Just like that yeah. preparation. Um and so those in terms of big um struggles, I, mm-hmm. I also feel like it will be important for us to touch on the inequalities because mm-hmm. I feel like this country in a way and we want to hear it from you, it's like receiving refugees or, or having this uh, form of migration as you know you're welcoming this country under this terms but then mm-hmm. are you really treated fairly like it's like they give you the opportunity and then and then what do you do yeah. right honestly it's just it's so hard for an immigrant let's say when you come to the united states it's like okay it's like you are basically blind human and it's it's just so hard because when wherever you came from, there's there's a different culture, there's a different language, there's yeah. everything is different. So when you come here, it's like you living in another world, mm-hmm. and you have to get adapted to that. Otherwise, yeah. like you don't have choice. And and uh, I don't know if it's just me, but you know where I came from in you know whether it's Ethiopia, South Africa, or Kenya, which I travel a lot through uh out Africa people are so welcoming I'm not saying you know uh, most American people are not but the thing is there's that community connection back home that if someone is struggling everybody you know tend to help one way or another but here everybody's on their own you meet a neighbor and the only thing they say is like hi how are you that's it like nobody asks you, hey, are you new here? What can we do for you? It doesn't show you around, you know, the city. You have no transportation when you come here. You have to learn how to drive. And most countries, you know, even if you are a good driver and have you you have been driving for so long, you know, the um the rules and regulation of you know driving is different and um it's it's just so hard i remember my my dad always have been driving in his life but when we came here he had to um study he had to study yes, to take the road test. yeah the knowledge test um for his permit and I, yeah it, it's it's so frustrating and no one talks about that uh the new environment the weather you know we never yeah. see no <laughs> you talk you talk about that when you arrived was in Mich- Michigan right and you were like what is this <laughs> what <laughs> tell is us it? a little bit more about 
that yeah. process of adaptation to the weather because I feel like that's a big big part and we don't oh talk God. about it as seriously as serious as it is yeah yeah absolutely so um we arrived uh November 13 uh, November 6 in the U.S. and um around that time like you know the weather was just a little bit chilly but a month later you know the snow started and we only saw it in the movie like my husband oh my god we've seen snow for the first time and everybody's excited and it was really snowing bad um we were told that it hasn't snowed this bad in 30 years uh that year and yeah um and so we were you know going to school we started school and um The only clothes we had was the clothes we used to wear in Africa. It's so hot. Imagine. And we, we didn't know anything. We didn't have the money to go buy jackets and all the gear for this cold weather. And I remember my first day of school, I was, I didn't even have a jacket. I was just wearing this little sweater. And everybody's just looking at me like, And you, were here. <laughs> and you were probably freezing too like yes, absolutely absolutely and it was so slippery uh you know we didn't have transportation so you know all my sibling and I and even my dad everybody was taking the bus um as a transportation and I remember honestly the first day of school I got lost Wow. I bet. <laughs> yeah, and I remember I'm talking about about this because my dad was waiting. I usually used to get out of school around 2:40, be home by like 3:15 at home, but you know I didn't know where my stop was. Oh, no. <laughs> and you didn't have a cell phone like No, I didn't have cell phone. You didn't have the financial means to mm-hmm. buy cell phones or you know anything like that. And you know the first day my dad took me and he he actually told me, you know, we got up from this side but you should, you know, take the bus when you're coming home across the street. But you know, <laughs> everything was new to me. I was I was just too tired. I just took it from the same place that my dad, you know, got off the bus in the morning, and I was just circling around Grand Rapids like five times. <laughs> That's so scary and overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. And then my dad, he was waiting for me because you know he knew I was I didn't know the city well, and he was literally standing on the uh, bus stop since to um since 3 uh, 3 pm and guess Waiting. what i yeah i got off the bus i think after six times just circling around around 8 pm and it was snowing and he had no jacket he was just wearing normal shoes um just waiting for you just waiting for me and when i got off the bus he just started crying he just started crying and hugged me so tired and like thank god you you are alive and you are back and oh my god it was it was it was so stressful and i remember mm-hmm. one of my siblings also got lost the next week um <laughs> she was young but she decided to go with her friend uh, after school her friend was like hey let's just go i'll show you my house it's just <sighs> around the corner and <laughs> she's like okay let's go I'll, we're gonna get back i'll get back to my house as soon as possible and then the friend just when she, once she arrived to her street um <sighs> like bye I'm you know I'm going to my house now (laughs) 
and she didn't know where to go. And so, like wow. the school, all the teachers was looking for her, and it was it was terrifying. And my dad's like, "Why did I come here? I have no community support. I have like you know nothing. I don't understand this place. It's just too cold." And it, it was terrifying. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, and also lacking the community that you were talking about that and that welcoming kind of, I don't know, I feel like just mm-hmm. arriving to a place like the U.S. can be very rough because in other countries, maybe that circumstance or that situation would have looked very different. Maybe mm-hmm. someone would have helped you, approach you, ask you, right? But like, I feel like here, at least my yeah. experience too, has been seeing people very like, to themselves right so someone can be next yeah. to you in the bus crying and you're not going to ask them how they are it, it, and in other countries it's more open and more right and know. speaking of that um after I graduated from high school we moved to Minnesota and I mean like there's a big Somali community you know West African East African people we could relate to and even so you know, I started attending uh, St. Catherine University in St. Paul in Minnesota. And I remember my first day, I, you know, I attended all my classes and I had, you know, late evening classes. And then after that, I realized I didn't have a charger and my phone was dead. And it was my first day and my dad was in uh, Uber. So, he didn't, you know, pick up my, I had like 1% and I keep calling him and he wouldn't answer because, you know, he was an Uber driver right. and my phone died and I don't know like what bus to take or oh. where, like where to go to. Right. And, and I already, you know, the bus stop and the school is a bit far from each other. So I already left the school. I can't go back. It's getting dark. I think it was, um, it was just dark and I'm, you know, just wandering around trying to figure oh. out, I'm like, hey, you know, I live in North Minneapolis. What bus can I take? And everybody's like, I really don't know. I am. See, yeah. like, yeah. and everybody, it's just, I just felt like I was like an alien, to be honest, because everybody I try to talk to just looks at me in a strange way and just walks away. And I would not, I would never forget this day. I keep asking people if I could use their phone. I remember and everybody's like oh my I don't know it was like the when the ele- election was also going on mm. uh, 20, the, two, the yeah 2016 yeah, yeah. that was terrible it was terrible and I and everybody's like just looking at me in a strange way because I'm wearing my hijab I'm just you know uh dressed up and everybody's just looking at me and I'm like what what is going on why is people so mean I'm just yeah. trying to figure it out and then all of a sudden I was like, okay, well, I see this older couple and I, you know, in my community, elderly, elderly like I was like, they will respect me and hopefully will let me use the phone so I can, you know, get in touch with my dad. It was the worst decision I made. So, <laughs> no. so what happened was I was like, hello, um, I go to St. Kate's and my phone died. I'm new to Minnesota and I'm just trying to call my dad. Can I please uh, borrow your phone to call my dad? Uh, so the woman that I had a phone, at least that's what she said. Uh, the the Her husband was with her. And, and I'm talking about like, this couple was like really old. Okay. I would say probably like, 70 
They just and they were in. You don't think they were part of your community? They were in like Somalis or where? Oh they? no 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 no! They were okay. white. Both okay. Were white. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, he looks at me and he's like, "I want you to get away from me. I will never let a Muslim woman use my phone. Go back to your shithole country." And I'm, and I just start crying. I was already emotional, oh, and I couldn't believe it. I. Oh my God, it was so embarrassing. And he's yelling at me. Like he's yelling, everybody hears him in the street. And then I I was, I just started crying. I just walked away. And then he and he kept walking after me. And I'm and I'm just, you know, trying to get away from him. He's like, I will never let anybody use my phone. Uh, let alone talk to me. You have no right. And it's just yelling and yelling. And I'm just shook. I didn't know even what to say. And and the woman's, you know, apology was, I am so sorry, ma'am. Um, he just got a new phone and he doesn't want anybody to touch it. Oh, <laughs> come on. Like, yes. for real. Right. And then um, someone across the street heard him and walked to him and it's like, you need to leave this young lady alone if you're not going to let uh, her use your phone. She have not done anything to you. And it's like, no, uh, all these people, all these immigrants came here illegally. And I'm like, sir, I did not come here illegally. I have the right that you have. And I'm sorry if I offended you for asking you, like, you know, to use your phone. And it's like, no, don't you ever ask me or ask anyone to use your phone. What if you run away with my phone? Oh, come on. I was, oh my God, it was so embarrassing. I couldn't even talk, but, you know, those were the things I was going through my mind. And luckily, uh, someone directed me and... Yeah, it was terrible. I got home and I was crying and my dad was like, what happened? And I told him and he was, you know, this, but there's nothing we can do as an immigrant. We, we just felt unwelcome and yeah. Super hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And while you were sharing this, I was thinking of, you know, hearing those really difficult stories. And I know there's other ones when you have failed, as mm-hmm. you're saying, oh, welcome, you know, I don't belong here. A lot of things that immigrants can connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think has helped you? Like, I, I know there's not a point where we're like, okay, now I'm fine. I mm-hmm. I adapted. But what do you think have been helpful to you along the way to survive and to overcome those issues? I would say just... Um asking like endless questions and, you know, asking for help and not giving up because not everyone is the same. You will meet along the way, like very rude people and you will find kind people, people who are ready to mentor you and help you throughout the way. It's just a matter of you not giving up and um, trying to ask for help when you can do things yourself. Yeah. And never to feel ashamed because you know everything is just a learning process right and as you told that guy you have the rights to be here we all do as as for being humans absolutely beyond the paperwork beyond the documentation um Mm -hmm. we don't need to feel ashamed I think that's a big thing for immigrants that we need to believe that first 
right? Because we expect people to accept us. We expect people to make us feel like we yeah. belong, but we don't. We, we keep feeling yeah. like, like apologetic about being here. And right. yeah. you have to get rid of that and be like, hey, I'm here. I deserve this. And therefore, mm-hmm. as you're saying, I'm going to ask for help. Yeah. I'm going to ask for the resources I need mm-hmm. because I deserve that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, tell us about your book. So um, I have the title, My Journey from the Horn of Africa to a College Education. So first, I have like a couple of questions. But first, um, what motivated you to write the book? And mm-hmm. second, um, what did you go to, to college for? Because I know you were writing it while you were going to college. Um, so what motivated me was my sibling. Um, I used to work at the daycare um, back in 2018 and 2017. And every time, you know, we are reading a book uh, and it was dominantly, you know, East African and like immigrant um, kids Mm -hmm. that I was teaching. And every time they would ask me, why can't we find anybody with, you know, like our name or somebody, you know, that looks like us. And, um, you know, it just encouraged me to continue writing. Mm -hmm. And my sibling loved hearing my story. And he kept telling me, hey, please just tell us a little bit every night. And um, it was just so inspiring to them. But what mostly encouraged me was my high school teachers, counselors, principal, and my mentor. Um, I remember applying to uh, Dell Scholarship and the Gates Millennium. And I wrote like the, just the Gates itself had nine different essays with nine different questions to answer. Can, can you tell us what that is? So people can learn what the gates um, or what those opportunities are for listeners. Uh, so, yes, those opportunities, are, uh, they are scholarship Great. opportunities where you can apply and um, get money for college or university to pay for your schooling. And um, I didn't get accepted to uh, get selected to the gates. Um, I got the second round, but I lost on in the finals. Um, yeah, it's okay. I I got a full ride at the end of the day, but I tried. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like trying, accessing those, um, as you were saying, like those services, those, yeah, that help. Mm-hmm. There's always opportunities and resources out there. It's not good to be, you know, close-minded rather be you know open-minded and try to figure out yourself and if you can't go and you know ask for help especially when you're in high school there's you know counselors and your teachers are able to help you you know as the first generation it's you know when we're writing essays or trying to tell a story it's hard to you know put the idea across so it's good for your teachers, you know, ask them, they will help you, ask them to edit it for you, ask them right. to read it over, ask them, you know, like, for feedback, what about- right? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, uh, with my education journey, my high school teachers have helped me so much, you know, within the scholarships that I was applying for, you know, I remember I gave uh a copy of all my scholarship question essays after I wrote it. I remember giving each teacher a copy 
And everyone, um, like they didn't know each other. Like, you know, I didn't say, oh, this teacher is also reading. But every time, you know, they see me, they're like, you know what? I read your essay and I think you should write a book. Right. <laughs> yes. And um, I was close with my uh, high school principal. I was, you know, involved in so many activities. I was um, this, uh, the school uh, council student had a uh, council for the school and you know we worked together a lot um you know i used to work with the superintendents of michigan it was it was amazing experience so because of that we were very close and um i you know i told him to read my essays for me to give me feedbacks and uh you know edit it for me and he was amazed and so every time you know we he sees me on in the hallway. He's like, "Hey, did you start your book? Did you start a book?" Start right. a story? And I'm like, "No, I'm I'm just so busy with school right now." And by the way, like I finished um, high school within two years. Uh, I took nine and ten, and then eleven and twelve. So I was so busy, but right. you know, it's good to get out of your comfort zone. And by the way, I'm very shy. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I don't like talking in front of people. I just, it just, yeah, I have anxiety within that. But, you know, I knew what I wanted to accomplish. I knew I wanted to get uh, further with my education. So asking for help and, you know, it's it's a good thing. And being, um, being part of a lot of, you know, school activities or clubs or anything like that, like don't take, the opportunities around you for granted and so you know because I was uh, very involved in the school like everybody gets get uh, get to notice me and because of that you know everybody was so eager to help me throughout my high school journey and every teacher that you know I gave my essays to give me feedback would absolutely say hey like they I would I still have those essays and they would be like you have to write a book your story is so unique that the world needs to hear it Mm -hmm. and yeah it was amazing (laughs) so I'm so glad that you were able to find that supportive system that told you hey you can do this because sometimes it's hard to believe it right it's hard to say believe me and just the fact that you're sharing that you arrived in the U.S. when you were 17 years old, didn't know the language, or like, I don't know, what was your level of? Uh, I would say, uh, okay. Like, how much was, did you know? Because then writing a whole book, it's huge. Absolutely. So um, I actually started my education journey when I was 11. Um, I have never been to school before that. And I remember my first day of school, I was, you know, taken to sixth grade because of my age. And they assumed that, you know, I at least knew some what English, but I didn't even know when they asked me, hey, what's your name? Like, uh, what's your last name? I didn't know anything. But luckily there was like, you know, Somali students and they were able to translate it. But after the next day, <laughs> the second day, I was taken back to the second grade. Um, yeah. Right. And honestly, because I was longing for education and I ho- had hopes and goals and dreams to accomplish, even so, um, being with, you know, little kids uh, as a classmate didn't bother me. But what mainly bothered me was some um, parents would come into the class 
when the teacher is talking outside with another uh, parent and they would, you know, I had a picture. I, I don't know if you have seen it in the book <laughs> at the back of the class because I was so tall from the right. of my class. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever they see me, they just like, hey, are you the teacher assistant? And when the student says no, they're like, wait, what are you doing here? Right. What are you doing here? And I remember this particular incident where one of the parents said, um, she knew my parents very well. And she basically go off and said, uh, you shouldn't be here. You should be married or helping your mom with the chores. What are you doing here wasting your time? And every wow. time I, yeah, that hurt me so deeply. And I didn't even bother to tell my parents because I was like, well, I was afraid they're going to take her advice. So it was it was terrifying. You find people like that uh, discouraging you. But, you know, if you have a goal and dreams, it's always good to go after them and do your best, you know. A hundred percent. And that's what you did. And I think it's so beautiful yeah. that you were able to create mm-hmm. something out of that and, and, and go throughout that whole journey of writing it and expressing yourself. And were the are the illustrations also yours? no someone yes they're um, really beautiful yeah thank you thank Um, you so I guess again I can continue to talk and explore a lot of these topics um Mm -hmm. but there has to be an end sadly (laughs) of our conversation Mm -hmm. but I want to ask you um in this upcoming world refugee day which Mm -hmm. hopefully we're releasing near that day or Mm -hmm. it is today Mm -hmm. what's a message you would like to leave to listeners that are immigrants that are Mm -hmm. non-immigrants or not refugees what's something Mm -hmm. they can do to support the community what's an action they can take or just a a general Mm -hmm. message for them to know about this struggles Mm -hmm. Mm You know, the message I want to get across is that um, as an immigrant, we came here to better our future. And, you know, our parents come here for us to get an education, to get a better life. Uh, But, you know, we need that community that supports us. And, you know, America is like when we come to the U.S., it's like someone who is trying to it's like someone trying to read an arabic keyboard like an american white man trying to read an uh, arabic keyboard he has no idea what it's saying or what's on there so that's like an example how america is to an immigrant we have no idea we don't know the culture we don't know the language most of immigrants does not speak the language english And, you know, even so, with all that struggle, we try to uh, go above and beyond to um, accomplish our goals and be successful. And so we just need that community to support us when you see an immigrant, um, you know, residing next to you as a neighbor. it's, It's so, you know, it would be nice for you to just greet them and, you know, show them around and, hey, you know, this is where you can buy food, this is where you can go. Just showing them around the city is even so important because if you if you don't know where to go to go buy food, it's 
yeah, it, it's terrible. We just need that support. It's those little things. I'm so yeah, that matter. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're saying that because as I feel like when people want to help the immigrant community, they get like overwhelmed because they feel like mm-hmm. nothing that they would do is going to be enough, right? Because immigration as a as a struggle as an issue is so big that I can see mm-hmm. people just being like, "Oh, I have no idea how that is. I don't know how to help. It's too much." Absolutely. And it's not, it's like exactly what you're saying. It's a smile. It's mm-hmm. a, Hey, do you need help? It's yeah. Hey, here's my charger. Here's my phone is, Oh yeah. You can take the bus there. It's right. just the little things that will make you feel part of a community. Like you don't need to do big actions if you're not ready. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Just mm-hmm. make people feel welcome. Yeah. And you know, for the a message for the immigrants is just that I want them to know that, you know, anything is possible with all those struggles. You can be someone one day. And if you set your mind to be something, you can do it, you know, to never give up on their dreams, regardless of what the situation is. Uh, and to, you know, it will get better. And You know, I was once a farm girl and I didn't know how to read or write at the age of 11. So imagine, um, imagine me going through my journey and still being able to accomplish my goals and, you know, getting into the best university and writing a book. And if I can do it, you can do it too. And, um, I would say, look at your struggles as a lesson, you know, don't look at it as a burden, um, you know, it will get better and to never regret it. But instead, you know, your struggles will just make you stronger. And, um, you know, I want young girls out there reading my book. I hope they know their values and dreams and to dream big and the sky is the limit. Um, you are all young and you can accomplish so much. And I hope that, you know, they ignore all the obstacles and people trying to bring them down and anything, you know, that uh, that life throws at them and just be amazing and go accomplish your goals and yeah, be who you want to be. Oh be the change. Mm-hmm. Be the change. That's so yeah. beautiful. It really Thank touches you. my heart the same way that it was touching my heart reading your book. As I said at the beginning, I knew this was going to be a special conversation. And I'm honored that you were willing to come to Modern Immigrant to share part of your journey, to encourage people to read your book. Mm-hmm. I probably already shared at the beginning where to get the book and the links. And people can find it also down below in the description of this episode and this video. Mm-hmm. Um I want to say again, thank you so much for participating in Modern Immigrant. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much, too, for giving me the opportunity to share my story with you and the world. Oh, so much to me. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I realized that I forgot to ask you, where are you at right now in your college journey and where are you living Mm -hmm. currently? Um, Right now, I live in Minnesota. Okay. Um, and uh, my education journey is at the point where I'm just um, trying to finish my pre-med classes and planning to study for the MCAT. And my goal is to get into medical school within awesome. the coming next year. So 
I love it. I love that. I can't wait to hear how that goes. I can't wait to keep learning from you. The other stuff that you write, I mean, a second book, yeah. I'm already, I'm already ready for the, <laughs> for yeah, I'm thinking of a children's book, um, honestly, awesome. yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing, I, I can't know. wait to keep finding out um, and keeping up with your journey, and again, thank you so much, thank you too, <laughs> thank you everybody that, thank you everybody that listened and that watched this, I'll see you the following time, bye.